Good day, friends. Thank you for joining in the podcast presented to you by Share the Well. You cannot be socially aware and selfishly absorbed. How about that statement? And we're going to discuss that uh, as the premise. Um, uh, discussion is going to be around that. And I talked to my good friend, Michael Mickens. We worked together about, I think, six years ago now. Um, and we worked together for about a couple of years uh, in a previous company that uh, Mike and I worked. Um, he's a unique man shaped by unique experiences and has a unique take on how he sees uh, the world shaping up, specifically the United States. Given the turmoil in terms of the race relations, the election and, you know, cancel culture and um, a lot of the elements coming together, shaping the way we see the world and the way we live. So enjoy the conversation and I will talk to you guys at the end of the conversation. Cloud here. Okay. All right. Mike, thank you. And, uh, you know, what I generally ask is, why don't you just introduce yourself like we do instead of writing the introduction down, I just ask people, hey, why don't you introduce yourself, right, uh, briefly. That'll be helpful. Yeah. Um, well, um, well, you and I, you know, go back um, with our prior um, work experience. It's turned into a great friendship. And, um, and so I think, you know, as we talked about many things, um, I think it'll sort of delve into sort of a little bit of my background, but I, you know, I won't belabor it too much. I, um, um, so I'm a, a father of four children, married, um, uh, been married for several, several decades. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and I'll leave it at that. Um, but, um, you know, as it relates to the podcast, I think one of the things that uh, is, I think, important here is that, you know, I did grow up in um, a, a religious home, um, you know, and I would say that, uh, you know, the two uh, women in my life, my grandmother and my and my mom were the ones that were really pretty, pretty uh, dedicated to making sure that me and my brother, you know, were, uh, were always going to church. Um, and I grew up on, uh, in the Methodist faith. faith. Uh, that's what I was raised under. Um, and um, every Sunday, and even when we go to see my grandmother and even my great-grandmother in Ohio, uh, you know, it was always, uh, you know, a big deal for us. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I think that was probably the anchor point of, uh, you know, of my, uh, of my faith. Um, but, um, you know, and I think that's kind of... Um, uh, carried me through throughout the years, even when I've fallen off the wagon multiple times and I continue to fall <laughs> off the wagon. Um, but I think it always has kind of kept me grounded um, as knowing when I'm going through challenges and so uh, and, and tribulations and so forth. I think it's always kind of brought me back to center. Um, and even when I haven't uh, always been very dutiful and um, sort of forgotten the, and, and thought that I was the one that was doing it all, uh, until I tripped up again, and it kind of always brought me sort of back. So, um, you know, as far as my dad, um, not so much um, uh, as dedicated as my, you know, on my mom's side. Um, but you know, he was—he's always spiritual um, to the point that he's all. But but he's always said, you know, I don't know, I don't know for sure, but I know that there's something, and you know, and I'm always talking to him about, you know, well, you know what that something is, um, you know, it's Jesus, and there's the, the good news, and and uh, and I've always shared that with him. So that's always been something that's been, you know, sort of part of my life. Um, and you know, as we've raised our children, we've raised them in the church. Um, I can't say that we've been always great about making sure that they go every Sunday and so forth. You know, as they've gotten older, because they they are. Uh, adult children, uh, with the exception of one, the youngest one um, out of four. So it's three boys and one girl. The youngest one is a boy, and he's still in high school. But, uh, but he, he does believe because he talks about it, and he says, uh, and he's very spiritual. And, uh, but you know, he's an adolescent, kind of discovering himself. And it's never been one of those things that I felt that it was in. Uh, it was, uh, it was our duty to, you know, and I think our obligation, and it really. Um, you know, a love for our children to make sure that they understood and they knew God and they knew Jesus and the, and, and the greatest gift. But I also think it's important that um, they too have to 
they have to embrace Jesus and they have to embrace that good news on their own. Um, and we can certainly introduce them to it, but it's always something that I think it's a choice that they have to make because it, it's a choice for all of us. Uh, you know, yeah. it's a change of heart and it's a choice for yourself. So that's, that's kind of, you know, kind of, kind of a little bit about me. Um, mm. been, been working in, you know, professional, uh, fields. Um, um, I started off in high finance and structured finance and, and kind of migrated my way into uh, the health sciences space and IT and, you know, and so forth. So, and I still do that to this day. Mm. So I Thanks, said it was going to, I said you... it was going to be brief, but it was longer than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. We have time. And you crisscrossed America, right? You cr crisscrossed. You yeah. Born East, went to West, Midwest, yeah, well, everywhere. Yeah, well, I was, I was uh, born in the Midwest and uh, was lived in California. Uh, and actually, as a matter of fact, yeah, I'm glad you bring that up. So, uh, you know, my dad was actually one of the first African-American um, executives at, um, at, a, at a pharmaceutical company. And that's uh, and so we moved out west. He ran the western region. Um, and I remember, you know, his offices and I think I shared this with you. His offices were um, actually uh, downtown Oakland. And so, you know, I'm a product of a kid coming up through the civil rights era and mm -hmm. uh, and and uh, and I remember uh, my brother and I remember you know driving um, on our way to our dad's office and we drive by the Black Panthers headquarters and you know <laughs> and, and you know I never really thought much about it at the time and you know I didn't really think of too much about it even probably even 10 years ago I, I'm guessing mm -hmm. um, but especially but I was reminded just by kind of all the things that have happened um, recently you know, with the um, the unfortunate situations with, uh, you know, all of the shootings and the, and the uh, protests uh, over the summer with George Floyd and uh, Aubrey and um, Breonna Taylor and, you know, all of those that have happened. I was, you know, just reminded of it again because our kids um, are really starting to embrace it, wanting to understand more of it. And one of the things I shared with them is I said, well, you, you know, I reminded them of our background. I said, but you know that um, your grandfather... I said that, uh, you know, his offices were right below Angela Davis's offices when we were downtown <laughs> and, um, and when he was in Oakland and, and he reminded me of that. So, so yeah. Um, so, um, so it's kind of, a kind of, a um, a reminder of your life. You kind of circle back and you have a flashback, but it's kind of amazing. Just, you know, the more things change, the more things, the, the more they stay the same. And it was good as a nice little reference point. I've shared that with our kids. And I think it's very, very timely, especially in, in the current times that we're in. Right. So right, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Well, so you share a little bit about the, the work that you were involved in, right? So yeah. um, I heard all, kind of major fields, right? Finance, IT, you know, pharmaceutical, yeah, right, and, and other functions. So give us a little more background around your experience. Yeah. So, you know, I um, you know, I was um, you know, I worked in financial engineering, worked with a team of quants and uh really I learned quite a bit uh, when I came out of college, uh went to uh work um in the in the Midwest. Uh uh, and, uh, you know, that was a very eye-opening experience. You know, some of the best people of, uh, in the world, uh, very salt of the earth type of folks. Um, and I think it gave me a good grounding because, you know, that's where I met my wife. Um, and, uh, you know, and um, it's just interesting just the way in which they think about things there versus what you see on the coast. And, um, you know, and I think it, it evolves, you know, over time. But for the most part, uh, because of, you know, sort of this connection with nature, the fields, farms, things like that, they really understood exactly what it meant, you know, um, a hard day's work, you know, you, um, you know, you yield based, of, based upon what you, what you sow, um, and just, you know, that connectedness, and, you know, um, and it's also a portion, you know, um, a swath within the core Bible belt. And, you know, um, my mother-in-law, who's now deceased, and now my father-in-law, who's deceased, um, um, in particular, they grew up Catholic. But uh, my mother-in-law, she uh, uh, defect, def defected, I'll just, I'll, <laughs> I'll call it that. Uh, and, uh, you know, started to go to a more non-denominational church. And when I was there, you know, it was one of the, you know, one of the 
shining moments because I came in from, um, came in out of school, landed in a place where I knew nobody. And, uh, and I remember, you know, meeting my wife and, you know, we'd go to the same gym and, you know, uh, became friends because she worked in another, uh, another portion of um, an affiliate bank that, that I was, that we were tied to. And, uh, and over time, um, you know, eventually invited me out to, you know, to their Sunday get togethers. And I remember it was, uh, you know, there was kids all over the place and, you know, um, <laughs> but everybody getting together, eating, you know, talking, um, visiting, laughing, having a good time. And, um, you know, it was really a nice eye-opening experience. It was a very rewarding experience, but it was always, but I always remember her, her mom always talking about, you know, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Uh, you know, she's very, very devout Christian. And, um, and, you know, that was another uh, anchor point for me. So, you know, you come out of college, you think that you're invincible, you work in these high powered environments and you sort of forget and, uh, and, and you're not connected to kind of that core. And it kind of brought me back into, you know, into the into my spiritual journey again, because uh, it is a lifelong journey, but it brought me back to that. And, um, and you know, and that's always sort of been uh, another anchor point. Uh, and then when uh, when she and I, I got a job, um, and this is how we moved west. And uh, you know, we uh, we ultimately married. Uh, we moved uh, to the East Coast, and uh, I became uh, basically um, I did a lot of uh, the implementations training, um, uh, and also ran a lot of projects and implementations for a lot of money center banks because we were working in um, hedging, um, swap, interest rate swaps. So a lot of the things that, you know, that uh, we hear about as far as, uh, you know, and it was the beginning of um, mortgage-backed securities, you know, CDOs and so forth. But we did all of the off-balance sheet transactions and risk management pieces. And uh, I ended up working for um, a company that was one of the largest providers um, of uh, data processing for financial institutions. But we worked for a sister company within it that did all of the uh, software and the analytics. And uh, that's how I actually got to the East Coast and then ultimately became um, the regional uh, manager there um, all at the age of 26. Um, mm. Didn't really know what I was doing, but uh, had a lot of confidence, uh, a lot of confidence from my uh, from the person who actually um, that I came and worked with, he actually went back uh, into consulting and he went back to a big, uh, big job. And he recommended that I go ahead and um, he recommended to the, the head of sales, the head, the general manager or the overall um, division of group head that I fell underneath. Um, and because I had been, you know, going to London and working all within all the money center banks and, you know, quite frankly, you know, all of these instruments were brand new and we had been modeling them and, you know, running all of these preprocessors and programs to get them so you can manage them and deal with all these risks. And uh, not a lot of people knew, you know, who knew how to deal with all of that stuff. So, you know, it sort of got me um, excited about technology. Um, and it wasn't as if I did anything deliberate to try to learn technology. I did it because I had to look to, we had to learn it so that we could actually do our job and actually do run, build these uh, financial models and, you know, all of these uh, financial engineering. And then at that point, you know, I, um, I, uh, there was a couple of other companies and this is like sort of the big, uh, the beginning of the big uh, uh, software push in the early 90s. And uh, I ended up, um, a couple of us, uh, there was a couple of competing companies out there that were uh, courting us. Uh, one of them we knew, uh, one of them ended up landing and getting acquired by Oracle and we ended up joining that company. And so then I became where I, I worked at, uh, you know, one of the largest software companies uh, and, you know, largest database companies. And, and, and I learned a whole lot when I, when I worked there. And as I did that, you know, I was working in New York and so forth. And as I did that, I, um, um, you know, I sort of got the bug of technology and, you know, and that evolved and I ultimately uh, ended up working for, you know, several um, uh, uh, startups along the way um, after I'd spent, you know, some time at, at Oracle. And then, um, you know, we, uh, and then I ended up, um, um, my um getting into the pharmaceutical space in a roundabout way and uh sort of the rest sort of took off and uh we ended up working at several companies we ended up uh, building them up and sold them to large companies worked for 
you know, um, a lot of these large healthcare IT companies and kind of then migrated my way into, you know, a large, uh, you know, some of the largest or the largest uh, management consulting organization. And I ran, and I also started my own business during that time because I'd always get these phone calls uh, from folks that were looking for assistance in helping to build their sales organizations. And, you know, I was using my financial background to help sort of figure out how to model it uh, not realizing that, uh, you know, we were having a lot of success and, you know, <laughs> folks were saying, you know, asking me, and this is, I was young and this is even when I was at Oracle, you know, how are you figuring this out? And how do you know, you know, how are you, um, you know, um, building these, uh, these rapid growth models? And, um, you know, I, and I thought everybody was doing all this financial modeling. I said, well, it, isn't this what everybody does? And, you know, come to find out, you know, actually, no, nobody really does any of that stuff. And, a lot of it was because of just my financial background, really. And I think all of that financial engineering and, and the databases and so forth. And I just was, I just did it, you know, and part of it was I was naive. Um, but I also had the benefit of my, my father who, you know, ran large, you know, large or sales organizations when he was in pharma. And, you know, I just ask him and I said, you know, how do you guys do it? And then I'd go model it and figure out how to do it. And, you know, that's, that's, that's how I started my career. So, mm. and along the way, you know, a lot of kids came mm -hmm. along the way, you know, we ended up with four along the way and <laughs> traveled all over the place. But, uh, but yeah, that's, um, you know, that's kind of the, you know, the, the, the abridged version of my, uh, of my career. Mm. So the long and the short of it is that you made a truckloads of money. Well, I don't know if I made a lot of trucks, <laughs> truckloads of money. I probably did. And I probably don't even want to look at how much I've probably made because, you know, as I, as I joke around with everybody. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I was fortunate. Um, uh, I grew up in a very, um, um, you know, especially for, uh, you know, a black child, especially back during that time. Um, you know, um, I, I, we, you know, I was exposed to a lot. I mean, we were, uh, when I was growing up, I remember, you know, growing up in Colorado, um, you know, I, I started snow skiing when I was two years old and that's like unheard of, right. For a lot of people in general, just period. Right. And it's certainly, you'd never see a black child out there, right. S snow skiing. Right. But that was just the way my parents were, you know, they, um, they never really, thought about, you know, color being a restriction. And so that was just the mindset I grew up with, right? And my grandparents, mm -hmm. they, they ingrained that in us. And they said, you two are just as good if, if not better as anybody else. Nobody is above you and nobody is beneath you. You are all equal. And you, you, you need to stay true to that. Um, and as a result, you know, if you want to do, if you want to learn to ski, then you're going to learn to ski. If you want to you know, if you want to, you know, go to these schools, then you're going to go to these schools. If you want to, so, you know, so I grew up partially, I went to both public and private schools. So, um, and I believe in both. I think there's pluses, minuses of both. Um, but, you know, certainly back then, you just did not see those things occurring. And when we moved into, um, you know, as we were, you know, I, I would say that a lot of people would say we were um, uh, a highly, um, upward, up, upwardly mobile um, uh, African American family, and 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 because of my dad's uh, position, and because of you know the rigor and the discipline that my mom believed in, and my grandparents believed in him, it was just education, education, education. Um, it was just not an option, uh, and so you know very strong uh, convictions. Um, you know, the belief was that that's a way to um, make yourself better um, because they can never take that away from you. And so I, that always stuck with me and it always stuck with us. And, uh, and part of that also was we also experienced a lot of the same things that is just not a common thing that you typically see for, you know, African-American families, especially in that um, era of the, uh, you know, in that era um, and so we were, you know, I, I, I grew up, you know, we were always breaking social norms. We were always, you know, breaking stereotypes. And I just never really thought about it a whole lot. Mm. And I think the one thing that was kind of interesting is in California, you know, we, um, you, you, you're in Oakland. So you obviously are, are, are very exposed to very ethnic, um, you know, areas of the country. But the interesting part about it is we always, you know, found, uh, it, it, my parents wanted us to always be exposed and also be able to sort of, um, 
not sort of, but always be able to um, communicate and be able to traverse across multiple socioeconomic categories and also racial uh, and ethnic backgrounds. And because of that, we lived in a lot of predominantly white communities, um, um, went to schools where, um, you know, where uh, we, you know, in private schools, you don't see a lot of that. So, you know, oftentimes, you know, in some cases, you're the only black child, or maybe there's a couple of them in the entire school, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, so with that, obviously, there's an expectation that you need to be able to communicate very well, you need to be able to write extremely well, and you need to, you know, certainly not forget your roots along the way. And that always has stuck with us. And that's kind of always something that, um, you know, that we were always a part of. But, um, but that's always, you know, that's the way we were raised. And, uh, yeah. and I think it's, um, I think it's actually been great because, you know, um, ironically, you know, we have a, you know, our, my, my wife is white. We have a multiracial family. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and because of that, it, it's like, it, you know, we joke about it, but it's the same level of expectations that we have with our children as, as well, because I think that's, what's important in, in society as a whole is that we need to appreciate, you know, our uniqueness because God made us unique, but he also made us equal at the same mm. time. Right. Mm. And it's also important to make sure that we respect that in all walks of our life. Right. Because, um, you know, there's that saying where, you know, you have your public life, you have your personal life or your family life, and then you have your private life. Right. You know, the thing is, is that people, you know, kind of walk around and they think that they can actually traverse across all three. And that's actually just not true. Um, it, it's actually, it's your, per, it's your private life that sets the tone for what your heart dictates. And that's actually going to establish your character for how you're going to perform in your personal life, which traverses into your public life, which is generally your work life. Yeah. And that's yeah, always that's, something that's been always ingrained yeah. in us. No, that's awesome. Because I, I you know, I, I'm kind of synthesizing what you're saying is that, uh, you know, I, I was just joking about wealth, but you know, it's just an outcome of what what we've done right before. Um, what we've done, um, it's an outcome of what we do, right? Um, but you connected it well to kind of education and eventually to kind of character. Uh, right. And I think we'll explore a little more about that. So my question to you is, how has work kind of shaped, uh, before I get to that, what one, I think another acknowledgement is how your grandparents and your parents kind of shaped your mind to kind of see the world, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, and coming back to the wealth thing. So I always joke around. I say, you know, I'm tuition poor, right? Because you know, the funny <laughs> thing is, is that I always, we've told our kids, you know, work hard, get a great education, you know, we'll find a way to, you know, help you get to, I didn't actually think they'd all listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> So, so, you know, but it's, but it's good. I'm, uh, I'm, we're so proud of them. It's, uh, they've, they've, they've all done so well. Um, and it kind of ties back to the question re regarding the grandparents. Now, see my grandparents, um, my grandfather, um, uh, retired air force. Then he actually, um, worked, he was an engineer, uh, and, uh, he worked, uh, um, at a at a large um, 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 uh, conglomerate out, uh, in, out in Colorado, and um, and my grandmother, um, same. Um, she uh, she was a nurse, and she actually retired from uh, from the army. Uh, but during that time, and I remember we would always go down and see her um, once my grandparents my grandfather had passed away and when I was in college I'd go down and see her all the time but the the, the interesting thing is I remember um, uh, while I was there uh, and you know I'm trying to remember when she actually um, started her uh, her um, quest to get a college degree now she got a, ma a bachelor's and she got a master's degree um, um, by the time she's six at 65 65 imagine that oh wow because she wanted an education mm. and if you think about it you know you know she's a product of you know of um, of the 30s and the depression era and so forth and i mean grew up under hard times hard times right uh and um 
And, uh, and, you know, she didn't mess around. Um, and, you know, my great grandmother and my, you know, my mom and I, we talk about this, you know, quite often, and she talks about it quite a bit. And, you know, it's that work ethic and that stick to itiveness. Um, you know, they're tough women. Um, it's a tough family because they had to endure a lot um, as they um, were growing up um, because education, 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 um, no matter um, whether or not you, you know, you barely had any food to put on the table or, or if you were in plenty, um, but you always didn't forget where you came from and they worked hard. Uh, and, you know, that at work ethics, I think sort of got instilled um, uh, and, uh, and, and, and the education piece uh, was very important. And, and the thing that has always stuck with me is that if my grandmother can get her master's by the time she's 65, <laughs> I think that I can actually, you know, do what I need to do to get my education. And I'm gonna ensure that my children, you know, focus on that as well. And um, um, I mean, it's quite an accomplishment. It really mm -hmm. is. Um, uh, it meant so much to her um, because when you're a black woman and let's, let's, let's dissect that a little bit. She's a woman growing up in pre-civil rights, not more than two generations removed from slavery, right? Maybe one. Um, um, and you are a, a black woman, right? Who is denied access to an ability to even get an education when you desire to get an education, right? And coming up through segregated schools. Think about that, right? Mm. So we can do everything we can to prevent you from educating yourselves. And my grandfather, <laughs> same thing, right? So when you think about all of that perseverance that you have to fight through, um, um, you know, very determined woman, my mom, very determined woman. It's a lot that you that you encounter when you're growing when you're growing up, and you know I can't even begin to imagine. They've told me so many stories that, um, and I've you know I've mentioned this to my children. But I don't think people really understand, especially in the wake of the things that that we just went through, um, and you know, that while we have seen some things that are horrific because we have the benefit because we we have we're in the era of social media, one of the things that people don't realize and they forget is that that was an everyday occurrence by orders of magnitude, right? And because I was able to get the benefit of a good education and be able to, you know, start to traverse this integration coming out of integrated schools, which my parents came through, through civil rights, um, what we cannot forget is that the people that laid the ground before us made that possible. Right. Um, and because of the sacrifices that they made, things have gotten a little bit better. Right. Um, and that's with every race that is an oppressed race. And that's every generation has some aspect of that that they've endured. And I think that those are the things that I, I believe that people sort of galvanized around because in these protests, you saw people from all backgrounds, all walks of life, which is the thing that was really encouraging. Um, and I and 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 I think that anybody who says that um, we have had gone had gone through a period over the last several years um, where division sort of took hold uh, and latent. Um, angst, 
um, marginalization, and maybe what your heart and your character really were really are, that thing sort of spewed and and you know be you know to a level that I think people were not able to fully comprehend just the depth at which that still exists in this world. And I think that um, it's it's you know it's like we went back a hundred years in time, which is really um, it's sad. It's 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 heartbreaking. Right. It's heartbreaking, and I and I hope you know. And the sad and the really. Um, um, uh, sad part about what we have, or the the losses that we've incurred, with all of those elders before us that are no longer with us on this planet, right? Because we've had a lot of those icons pass away over the years to where we've forgotten. You know, it's almost as if we sort of want to brush things under the rug and don't realize that there were a lot of people from all ethnic backgrounds, walks of life, that fought through those dark periods, you know, in the 40s and the 50s and the 30s and the 60s, right? That that we thought that we made great progress, and we did. But as those people have have we as we started to lose them, it's almost as if it never happened. And that this big up, you know, this big um, division that has you know has um, occurred is something that I think that we as society, it's probably our one of our biggest issues that we need to tackle. Uh, and it's all because of other things that relate to socioeconomics. It's, you know, and if we allow folks to divide us and say, well, the reason that you are tr struggling because, you know, jobs um, no longer exist because technology has created automation. So what was once a factory job back in the 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s that ensued, that's done be by robotics. It has nothing to do with the jobs being shifted to another country. Robotics are replacing it. Automation and technology is replacing it. Um, as we have new technology, there's not a need for certain types of natural um, resources like fossil fuels and so forth. We do things in a more efficient manner, right? Uh, and because of that, you know, cars are much more efficient, right? Uh, those things are not necessarily needed like they used to be needed. But it's got nothing to do with that group or that group or that group that's causing your plight. And if we are willing to be lazy, to actually do the research and understand that, well, wait a minute, it's not that person. It actually is the, it's a product of circumstance. And that's gone on for the dawn of time, right? There's always advancements and improvements, and there's always an adjustment to the way society operates as a whole. That has always been the case. You know, unfortunately, you know, we have sort of walked our way back um, because it's easy and convenient instead of, you know, putting the hard work forward to say, you know, how do we actually lift all of all men up in society, all people in society, you know, to make a better society, which is exactly the direction we were heading. And it's almost like it all got, got, uh, got erased. So, I know I kind of went around, I went through a lot, like I no, went no, a, no. a few different areas, but. No, no, it's okay. I, I think that that's the that's the point. I think of conversations is. Um, let me ask this. Uh, you know, just your assessment. So, is this nature, or is this nurture? See, I, I like what you said. We've probably gone back hundred years, right? Mm -hmm. And and what we saw then, and what we see now. Is it is it nature that you know this or is it 
you know, it's been nurtured. So it never really fully left or trans the generations didn't transform. There was something that was nurtured, right? It's in the background, it's been lurking, right? Oh, yes. Look, um, it's funny, I had a conversation with uh, somebody a few days ago, and we were just talking similar topics. And I said a couple of things and then and they said, wow, that's actually pretty pro prophetic. And I'll say it here in a second. Um, I think it's been nurtured, unfortunately, um, mm. um, because nature occurs. You know, nature's always going to occur. Um, the challenge is, and, you know, in, in my career, and the, the, the benefit that I've had in growing up is I've been able to travel and traverse multiple race, uh, racial, racial uh, groups or ethnic groups, uh, religious um, um, organizations, as well as socioeconomic um, stratums. And, um, and I've also been able, as I've traveled, to go to different regions of the world and different regions of the country. And you know this, so you can appreciate this. You know, what has always struck me is that um, when you go into certain communities, you actually see races um, that are intermingled, right? Within a particular society, right? And they get along perfectly fine. So there's commonality in what they believe in. Yes, there's differences in the way they look and so on and so forth, but that's, you know, that's a given. Um, and the, 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 the thing that is, you know, um, very um, reticent to me is that they all seem to be very happy, right? Until somebody comes in and poison the water, right? Now, how that, how that gets, um, how that water gets tainted is, which is the nurture part of it, is that all societies do well and everybody's happy if everybody's working within what you, within what you know, within your, whatever your level of um, socioeconomic, socioeconomic stratum and what your family, um, historically, how you were raised, if that stays constant, then everything stays constant and everybody somehow magically gets along. The minute there is disruption in that cycle, you start to look for reasons. And the reasons are still there latent because then you're saying, then, then what you do is you look to play the blame game and you say, well, you know, yes, yes, Johnny, I don't want you to play with David anymore because David, David's dad took my job. I lost my job. I worked side by side with David's dad, but I, my job got eliminated because of David and David's a different race than you. So you need to stay away from that person. Right. And that's racial differences through nurturing is a product of fear. And if you, if you are able to incite fear, then you automatically have created an enemy, which then you then pass that, in, that on to your offspring. Mm. And if that gets reinforced generation after generation after generation, instead of actually speaking in truth, and saying, well, no, unfortunately, this is what occurred. Um, as opposed to saying, the reason this occurred was because of that race. There's a big distinction between those two. And if societies are constantly growing because of uh, technology, because maybe uh, a factory has come in they built a big plant, it helps that entire society, all ships rise with the tide, right? But the minute you have disruption in that, some people get lost in that. And those yeah. people who get lost, and if it, 
is if it's generally a certain group, then that group now starts to attack another group, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's the nurture part of it, right? Now, the funny part about it is that everybody by nature says, yes, we know that there are um, things that happen to other races that are not right. They, we all instinctively know the difference between right and wrong, right? And they will say, as long as I'm doing well, well, then I'll, I will make, you know, I will say, I disagree with that. But the minute you get knocked down to that person's level, then you automatically say, well, you know what? The reason that I got knocked down to this level is because of that race. And so I'm no longer going to you know, support what I originally thought. And that is so much of what we have been seeing out there because mm. there is complete, a complete change in social dynamics and economic stratum that has caused disruption, which is why people are dissatisfied, right? You have to look, everyone needs some, everybody needs a villain. Everybody needs a villain, right? So if you are searching and searching and searching to find a reason for the way you feel, trust me, you'll find your reason and you'll find somebody to place that blame on. And it's easier to place the blame for somebody who looks different than you than to place blame on somebody that actually looks like you. Mm. It's easier to place blame on somebody that is at the, you know, in a different economic stratum than you are than it is to place blame on somebody who actually comes from the same social circus that you come from, right? So then we get into this tribal mentality where it becomes us against them. And yeah. that's the nurture side of it. You know, the funny part about it is that everybody, you know, I, I've, I've watched this and I said this to my kids and this will come back to what I said the other day to this individual. Everybody um, um, will say, Um, Oh, well, let me come back to this. So I was telling my kids during this time, I said, look, the thing that causes me a lot of concern is that I've lived through this. I've seen it. And this is when I was telling them about, you know, driving down, seeing the Black Panther headquarters. And I, you know, my my dad reminded me of that. And then, you know, Angela Davis's office being right up above his office. And I didn't think about it until he brought it up. But the thing that was always that, that reminded me of it, I said, oh, you know what? You know, when I came into my career, I, I lived through the whole Rodney King thing, right? Mm-hmm. So same situation, right? The, the Selma March was a byproduct of a, of, an in, of a young man getting shot by a police officer. The Rodney King incident was the outcry of police officers abusing a black man that got caught on tape, right? The protests this summer were because we saw police officers literally take the life of black people on TV, right? So we've had these three waves that have occurred, right? And as a result of it, there's always been some sort of protest, some sort of outcrying, and some, some sort of you know, social upheaval that has occurred in each one of them. But for whatever reason, we make progress and we snap back to the norm, right? So what I said to this person, we were talking about this and a bunch of other things. I said, you know, the thing that concerns me is that right now everybody's saying, yes, I stand up for these things. I believe in all of these things. But yet nobody's heart is changing, right? That's how you make change, right? You can't, and this is what I said. I said, you can't be socially aware but selfishly absorbed. (laughs) Mm. The two completely cancel each other out. They're dichotomies, right? And so much of what I see in corporate America right now, which I saw, you know, kind of growing up, it's like, you know, you first have had, you had the civil rights and equal rights, right? So that's my parents' generation. Then we saw this era that occurred that, you know, happened, you know, that started talking about, um, affirmative action and, you know, we're going to, you know, equality. So that's when all of that started happening again, right? Now we have this wonderful term of, uh, you know, that we use that um, unconscious bias. Well, I've said, I said, look, if you have to be told that you have unconscious bias, then therein lies 
you know, the problem, because if you have to be consciously told that you have bias, then you have bias, right? <laughs> so what does this, what does unconscious bias mean? It means nothing. It's a play on words, right? It means that, okay, I'm going to be aware of these things and we're going to stand up for these things. We're going to acknowledge these things. We're going to go through education, uh, you know, and we're going to train everybody up on unconscious bias. I think that's great, right? The problem isn't the training. The problem is the heart. And that goes to your question of nurture. It starts at the home. It starts with generations saying, my past generation was wrong. This is not true. And we are no longer going to accept what we were taught because we know it's wrong. And until people start doing that and until people who are in leadership roles in organizations start to move into those decision-making you know, um, uh, areas, you will never change it because it's too easy to remain, stay at the status quo. Why is it too easy to stay at the status quo? I'm not gonna take a risk that's going to have an impact on my livelihood. People don't want to, when it impacts yeah. their livelihood, it's hard for, harder for people to make a change. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that, that's, that's, um, that's true, Mike. That's very, very true. Very, very true. The, um, I know we've, you know, in the corporate, at least we, we are, you know, uh, I don't want to refer to any company or you know, even my own company, but I think just generally, um, you know, the, there's been progress, evolutionary progress, right? Um, but thinking about this, this kind of change is transformational. So this is like fundamental, almost close to revolutionary, right? This is not, you know, okay, we'll, we'll add another training course to a curriculum, right? Or whatever that, that looks like, but this is a revolutionary change. It, it gets down to, as you said, leadership structures, um, and right down to the families, right? That are, what are you talking on the dinner table, right? How are you kind of challenging your children, right? To kind of, and, and that's why, you know, I, I, that's why my question is because it, you know, there've been two or three generations now past when we, we still see um, extremities in terms of thinking right? Um, and ideologies, which is like tougher than, you know, an issue, right? If it's a physical or a structural or, you know, what a political issue, we can deal with it. But these are ideological, right at the heart of, you know, what's one's value, right? How, how are we equal, right? In the, in the eyes of God and in all opportunities and everything else, right? But also, I think we are unequal, not everybody has got the opportunities that, you know, potentially we've got. And to be able to recognize that and, uh, and appropriately evaluate that when, when we're looking at candidates is important as well. Oh, absolutely. Right. Because you, you can't, you know, it's not like that everybody's got the same training and therefore, you know, we can all evaluate them based on, you know, the same measure. Right. So, What's the measure of grace we have to apply to people who have not had an opportunity like others have had and, and you know, kind of bite the bullet there and, and take them in, give them an opportunity to shine, right? Because once you start to give them an environment, they might blossom because they probably did not have it till then. Absolutely. Right? So, so it is differentiation for equalization, I'd say. Right, you, you got to differentiate to equalize because they don't come equal. That's exactly <laughs> you know? right. Absolutely. Well, you want people with different backgrounds, different perspectives. Yeah. Look, you can't do, you can't innovate. Yeah. By staying with the status quo. Exactly. It doesn't work, right? You know, and, and why do you want people with the same background providing feedback because quite frankly you don't have anybody challenging your thought 
and challenging creativity and having bringing a different perspective um, into that discussion. Um, mm. And quite frankly, it makes the team stronger. You know, right, right. You know, it's um, I think it's a necessity. It's a requirement um, if, in fact, you truly want to make change and truly make an impact that is lasting and sustainable and is right. um, is going to be for the common good of, all, of us all. It's the only way yeah. you can do it. Right. Right. So it's it's wonderful we're ending here on this one, on this episode, because the next one, let's just carry forward exactly what you said. So and maybe move into I, I know we wanted to do work first and, you know, the current status. I think it's flipped over. <laughs> Friends, thank you so much for listening into the conversation. Hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. You know, just participating and uh, you know engaging with Mike. Mike is uh, a dear, dear friend of mine, and we've had some you know great laughters and great times of discussion and and really soul searching. And you know, we've we've been able to shape each other's mind and thoughts and um, you know uh, motivations. So hope you enjoyed it. Um, join us for the next one. We're going to talk. Uh, a little bit about how how these things these things meaning what you heard in the conversation shape the way we work uh, and workplace is really crucial because we spend a you know almost like I'd say about thirty percent of our total lifetime at work right so join in for the conversation we start off with diversity and the impact of it and uh, hope to see you guys uh, next week uh, if you want to get more information go to our website share the well community. And, um, you know, if you want to leave a comment, do it in the platform that you're engaging in or go to our website, as I mentioned earlier. Take care. Blessings. Have a wonderful weekend.